0: All right, well, thank you for that. I sure appreciate it Amos chapter number one in your Bibles Amos and I'll give you a chance to go to get there um, you can go to the front of your Bible and hit the the uh, little table of contents and then you'll come right to it i'm sure Amos and we'll start in uh look in verse number one and um i i really i today we went and visited Miss June in the hospital me and uh, Pastor Robinson and um, she is you can continue to pray for her she's just not doing very well and um, and so I think they're going to be sending her home pretty soon just to uh, be with her daughter um, in uh, the time that she has left so just continue to pray for her um, she's still in quite a bit of pain and going through different things so uh, just continue to be in prayer uh, for that situation and then we we came back and tried to make some more visits today get some more things done and I really, all I've been studying lately, I've been reading through in the chronological uh, Bible reading chart plan, which is the Bible reading chart plan in chronological order, in case you didn't know that. And I was reading through that, and, um, and so I've been reading through um, Second Chronicles, but then hitting Isaiah and hitting Amos. And I really wasn't finding a whole lot of real good preaching material in Amos to, to really be helpful. And, um, but I was making tons of notes in my Bible reading through Amos and just all that's being in there. And I I saw little glimpses of things that I thought were pretty interesting. Uh, today, some of the guys asked me, what are you preaching on the night? And I said, to me, quite honestly, I don't know. Um, it's not from a lack of studying. It's just that I wasn't sure really what the Lord had um, for today. And um, I said, really, the only thing I have really got that I've been thinking about is Amos, but I just hate to preach it. And, um, and, and uh, so I really felt like that is what it is that I'm supposed to preach. And uh, again, it wasn't a lack of studying. I've got notes all in my Bible, but I just put a, scribbled a few notes or typed a few notes on a piece of paper. And um, that can either be really good for you or really bad for you. There's no telling what that's going to mean. Um, but look at Amos chapter 1. I, I want to give you, I don't know that I'm going to be doing, I told Stacy before I left, I said, um, the best thing I can do with this is read it, let it speak to you, and then not do much else. So this will be different. I told her this will be really different. This should be very different. Amos chapter 1, look at verse number 1. The words of Amos, who was among the herdmen of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Now, I just I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I read that because when you're reading through the um, through second chronicles and uh, first second chronicles and first second kings you're going to run into times where the prophets fit in and um and and you're going to see some things where they're prophesying about you know where Israel and where Judah was kind of traveling in life what they were doing and god would raise up a prophet to say look don't go this way turn and don't do this don't do what you're doing go a different direction and um and that's why I titled it what I titled it how many profits does it take and if you can get the, the idea with a light bulb? How many profits does it take to screw in a light bulb or to turn on the lights? Um, they had profit after, after prophet, after prophet after prophet, after prophet after prophet after prophet that came to these people, and these are God's people, to tell them that the way you're going is not going to be profitable for you. That if you would go this way, God could bless you, It'll be, I mean, it is a blessing on top of blessing. But if you go this way, it's really going to get bad. And they would have little peaks of good and it dropped down to bad. Little peaks of good and it dropped down to bad. And you kept seeing them headed for bad. And so when these prophets come along like Amos, Amos is about to tell Israel. Amos is going to be speaking mainly to Israel. And, uh, And Isaiah was speaking a lot to Judah. But this is what it's doing. This is what it's telling them. They said, "It's enough is enough. Enough's enough. And now you're going to go into captivity. You were supposed to be the people that is a light to the rest of the world. And now you that are supposed to be the light are actually going to be in bondage to somebody else now. You that I pulled out of bondage to be a shining light of my grace and who I am are now going back into bondage somewhere. Not because God's bad, but because you will not do what I've asked you to do. And I've sent warning after warning after warning after warning. And so here he is during this time. Look at uh, chapter number 2. Well, in chapter 1, I want you to just look at this real quickly. Look at verse number 3 of chapter 1. It says, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four. Verse number six, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four. Verse number nine, for three transgressions of Tyrus and for four. Verse number 11, for three transgressions of Edom and for four. And then verse number 13, for three transgressions of the children of Ammon. Chapter two, verse one, three transgressions of Moab. Verse number four, thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four. And then here we are at Israel. And for thus, thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they sold the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of shoes. He went through all the stuff with Judah and the reason why he was bringing judgment. And I was trying to think, what is four transgressions of Israel, uh, three transgressions of Israel and for four? What did he keep saying for three and for four? And, And I finally came to the conclusion, it was this, sin just continued to abound and abound. Ah, well, there's one, there's two, there's three, and four. And it has kept on getting more and more and more and more. Sin just continued to abound and abound. And so you look at chapter 3, look at chapter 3 and verse 1. Hear this word that the Lord hath spoken against you, O children of Israel. I wrote down in my Bible, sin was abounding, and so he sends a warning. He sends a warning. And that's what God really does. And you're going to see that here in a minute in this in this uh, little spe- section of Scripture. He says, Hear this word that the Lord hath spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family, which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. And then he says this, and I almost titled the sermon this way, Can two walk together except they be Agreed. I almost title it that because that's a, that's a verse that you would know pretty well. Most of you probably know it. You just don't know where it came from, but can two walk together and be agreed? Meaning this, I called you out. I was going to be like a father to you. I was going to be like a husband to you. I was going to be pulling you out and, and taking you somewhere and making you just the beautiful picture for everybody to look at and see how great your God is. And we're walking, much that we're walking together. And and God hasn't moved in His walk, but somehow they have veered off and we're not in agreement and we're no longer walking together. And that's what He's saying. He's saying, hey, I'm still where I was and you're somewhere completely different. Can two walk together? Except they be in agreement? That's what He's saying. And then He goes on with this whole thing of kind of cause and effect. Will the lion roar in the forest? When he hath no prey, will a young lion cry out of his den if he hath taken nothing? It's kind of a cause and effect. Don't you realize that one thing is because of the other? Can a bird fall in a snare upon the earth where no gin is for him? Shall one take up a snare from the earth and have not taken nothing in it? Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city and the Lord hath not done it? Surely, Now watch what he says though. There's cause and effect in this, this warning, but I want you to see the goodness of God in verse number seven. This is a really good spot. Watch this. Surely the Lord will do nothing but that he reveal his secret unto his servants, the prophets. The lion hath roared, who will not fear? And the Lord God hath spoken, who can but prophesy? And I want you to understand something. This is where the Lord is. Yes, sin is abounding. He's sending a message and he's telling you this. The Lord is not going to do nothing. He will do nothing except first send a warning to you to let you know that you've got to get off this track and get on the right track. That's how good God is. Warning after warning after warning after warning. In verse number 9, this is what it says. Publish in the palace at Ashdod. He's he's saying, I've given a warning and now I'm saying this. Publish in the palace of Ashdod, in the palace of the land of Egypt, and say, assemble yourselves upon the mountains of Samaria. That's the capital where Israel was at. He said to Ashdod and to Egypt, he said, hey, get ready. You're going to be able to assemble and come in and attack anything you want to do here. And behold, the great tumults in the midst thereof, and the oppressed in the midst thereof. For they know not to do right, saith the Lord who store up violence and robbery in their, palace, their palaces. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, now watch this now, an adversary there shall be, even round about the land, and he shall bring down thy strength from thee, and thy palace shall be spoiled. Now, I want you to understand something, this very quickly, because I'm really not going to try to preach a lot of this, I just want you to understand kind of the way it worked with them, and then draw an application to us right here, and that is this, Sin was abounding. God sent a warning. And when they would not listen, God sent an adversary. God sent something to really shake them to their core. And that's really the way God works. Look at chapter 4. He chastens those that He loves. Chapter 4. Chapter 4 and verse 1, I want you to see, he's going to, he's going to liken them to something in chapter 4, in the beginning of chapter 5 and 4. Hear this word, ye kind of Bashan. Now, this, is, wasn't, a, this wasn't a really sweet message because he's calling them cows. Ye kind of Bashan that are in the mountains of Samaria. But he's, he's, it's for a reason that he's calling them cows, and I'll make it make sense here in a minute. "...which oppress the poor, which crush the needy, which say to their masters, bring and let us drink." He's likening them to well-fed cattle in the land that really have need of nothing. It's just, we'll eat, we'll drink. Masters, bring on some more. They, they're likening them to those that don't have much need of anything else, and they really oppress the poor while they're sitting fat and happy. That's what he's likening them to. On top of that, the likening is to the fact that they're sacrificing to bulls so look at verse number two, the Lord God had sworn by his holiness that, lo, the days shall come upon you that he will take away, you away with hooks and your prosperity with fish hooks, and ye shall go out as the, at the breaches, every cow at that which is before her, and ye shall cast them in the palace, saith the Lord, saying somebody's going to come along and put a hook in you and take you from where you're at to a new place. And it's going to be, it's going to be bad. Watch what he says. Let's listen to how this works. And I want to try to see if you can get the same thing I was getting from the application. Verse number four. Listen to how kind of how the people are. Come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal, multiply transgression. Watch, and bring your sacrifice every morning, and your tithes every three years. That for, for you to understand the three-year tithe was something from Deuteronomy. It talked about every three years they'd bring a tithe To um, part of that time was to give to the poor. Remember, he's already talked about you oppress the poor. This is what he's saying. Well, you just travel on with your transgressions and sin and sin and sin and say, let's go make sacrifices. You know how it it just feels to me like people that are going through the motions, but their heart is definitely not in anything. Uh, Let's just sin on Saturday and go to church on Sunday. That's my application I would make. Just that kind of spirit of Uh, Well, who cares, really? He says, verse number 5, "...and and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven, and proclaim and publish the free offering, for for, for this liketh you, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord God." Well, you love this. You love to make a sacrifice. You love to say, look what I'm doing, but your heart is nowhere near God. This is what's happening to these people. Look at verse number six. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in all your, your uh, places. Yet have you not turned unto me, saith the Lord. Now, what that really means, when I first read that, I was thinking, oh, he gave them some really nice, nice white teeth. That's What a blessing. It's really not. It means you have no food to eat. You didn't have anything to scar you, to, to mar up your teeth because you have no food to eat. He's saying, I, I sent a famine... I've tried to warn you. I've sent things to warn you, and you just wouldn't. And then in verse number, and you wouldn't return to me. In verse number 7, withholding of rain. We can understand a little bit of that. And and then it says this at the end of verse number 8, yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. You just won't respond to any warnings. He talks in verse number 9 about destroying the crops, but at the end of verse number 9, yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. He talks about pestilence coming their way at the end of verse number 10, yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. He goes into them being overthrown in the end of verse number eleven, yet have not return to me, saith the Lord. And then look at chapter five. It says, Hear ye this word which I take up against you, even a lamentation, O house of Israel, the virgin of Israel is fallen. So he likened her to chapter four to well fed cattle that just are grazing and saying, give me more. Now he's likening them to a virgin that has fallen. She's weak. She shall no more rise. She is forsaken upon her land. There is none to raise her up. For thus saith the Lord God, the city that went out by a thousand shall leave a hundred, and that which went forth by a hundred shall leave ten. Uh, to the house of Israel, they don't. They no longer. They used to be a strong people. Now they no longer have strength anymore. Why? Because of the way that they have been living. In verse number four of chapter five, he says, "For thus saith the Lord, O house of Israel, seek ye me, and ye shall live." In verse number eight, seek seek him that maketh the seven stars of of an Orion and turn the shadow of dark in the morning and all that stuff. They seek me, seek me. But look at verse number 10, but the people that are saying seek me and and all that God's trying to do them to bring them around, look at verse number 10, they hate him that rebuketh in the gate, and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly. For as much therefore as your treading is upon the poor, and you take from him burdens of wheat, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink wine of them. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins, that afflict the just, they take a bribe, they turn aside the poor in the gate from their right. Listen to the way he puts some of the things that he says about them. Seek good, not evil, that ye may live. And so and so the Lord, the God of hosts, shall be with you as ye have spoken hate the evil and love the good. Listen, what the, the begging that's going on here and established judgment in the gate, it may be the Lord the God of hosts will be gracious under the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, the Lord, the God of hosts, I want you to see this last little spot here. The Lord saith thus, Wailing shall be in all streets, and they shall say in all the highways, Alas, alas, and they shall call the husband to mourning and such as are skillful of lamentation to Wailing. And all vineyards shall be wailing, and I will pass through thee, saith the Lord. Woe unto you. Watch this now. I want you to see this little, this little spot here. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is, uh, is darkness and not light. Think about it for a second. What are they crying out for? He says you're going to be crying out for the Lord to come back and, and restore things and help us. Now, can, you, can you get it pulled to the picture I'm trying to give you tonight a little bit of what you can see in this. Here's a people that God has brought them out of the bondage that they're in. Here's a people that God has given them a land filled with flowing milk and honey. Here's a people that God has given them all the blessings that he continues to dump out on them. And here's a people that have repeatedly gone after other things. Here's a people that God has raised up men to come to them and say, hey, listen, don't go that way. Go this way. And warning after warning after warning. But they just keep doing what they're doing. Here's a people that say, hey, let's sin as much as we can and then we'll just go make a sacrifice. Let's keep sinning. We'll go make a sacrifice. We'll do a little tithing. We'll be okay. Here's a people that God has sent warning thing after warning crops and rain and famines and and pestilence, all this stuff. He's trying to wake them up. And here's a people that's saying, I will not be woke up. I want to do what I want to do. Who are you to tell me? I hate these men that stand in the gates and try to warn us against what we're doing. That's what they say. And here's a people that say, much like people would say today, well, I just can't wait for the Lord to come back. He says, for some of us, I'm not talking about, now let me try to place it where it's at and place us where we're at. For them, it's a little bit different than what we're talking about for us. But I am saying for us, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us that are saved, you're saved, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to give an account not for whether I'm saved or lost. That was taken care of at the cross. We are going to give account of what have I done now that He has called me out of bondage, given me eternal life, washed me in the blood of Jesus Christ and now I have the blessings that come from God and I'm walking with Him and I have an opportunity to serve Him. Am I living my life much like these where I'll just party on Saturday and confess it on Sunday, give a little tithe, do a little bit of this, do a little bit of that and men stand up and say, hey, you're going the wrong way and you say, oh, be quiet. I I don't need any of that. I'll do what I want to do and I'll just go through the motions like it's no big deal and i can't wait for the lord to come That's going to be good and he says this about them i thought this was very interesting he says it'll be for you verse 19 as if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him i was telling the guys that they'd be like oh we're in this we're in this mess that we've made for ourselves we got to flee we're running away from a lion oh that lion's right behind me i got to run and you round the corner and there's a bear you be like, "Good night. How did I get from that to that? And then, if you happen to escape it, watch down. just look I find this stuff it's 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 humorous to some degree, but it's it's sad to another. Now what if I got back from, I got away from the lion and I got away from the bear, and he went into his house, and he leaned his hand on the wall, and he was bit by a serpent that, I mean that's what it says here's some people that are saying. I'm just I'm liking it when I'm reading it. I'm thinking about myself. I'm going, you know what? This rings true sometimes. That the Lord has been so good to me, and just like He's been to Israel, so good to us, done so much for us, such a blessing to us, given us eternal life, given us everything that we've got, and and on top of all that, just thinking about the land that we live in and the blessings that we've got. I mean, you talk about a land flowing with milk and honey. Look what we've got. And we've got everything we could possibly want. And we still live like, I'll do whatever I want to on Saturday. Check the box on Sunday. Make a little sacrifice. Give a little tithe. Give some Thanksgiving. You know, it was interesting. The sacrifice they talked about. I'll give some Thanksgiving sacrifices. Nowhere in there, we're talking about the sacrifice for their sin. When he wants to deal with their sin, they want to say, you know, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's the Spirit that I'm thinking, God, this is convicting me. And they just go through. But watch the way the Spirit... Look at verse number 21. I hate... Oh, I can't imagine the Lord hating anything. I hate, I despise your feast days. I've quoted this verse a a ton of times. I hate, I despise your feast days. I will not smell your solemn assemblies. You know, your feast days, you're doing things... That a sweet smell is rising up to... We're, we're hoping the sweet savor is going up to the Lord. The Lord says, I refuse to smell it. I just refuse it. I hate it. I won't smell the solemn assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Take thou away from me, this is a good one. I've I've quoted this a ton of times. Take away from me the noise of thy songs. But Lord, we're sacrificing and we're giving and we're thanking. And look at how great my song was today. Yeah, but your heart is nowhere near right with me. He says, You know, everybody else may say, Now that was a fantastic song. He says, But you know what I heard? Noise. Noise. Take away the noise of thy songs. Verse number 24, watch this. Why don't you replace it with this? But let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. Have ye offered unto me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness 40 years, O house of Israel? But ye have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch. Remember, that's the one that they sacrificed their babies to. Chian, your images, the star of your god, which may which ye made to yourselves. Therefore will I cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus, saith the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. And then I want you to look. Lastly, in chapter seven, in verse number ten, watch. I want you to see the result of this. You would think with the result of this it'd be like you are right, we are wrong. We've got to get right. Chapter seven, verse number ten. Watch what it says. Then Amaziah the priest, he should have known better. Amaziah the priest of Bethel sent to Jeroboam king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos saith, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. Also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, go. Flee thee away into the land of Judah, and there eat bread, and prophesy there. He was saying, hey, go somewhere else where they they want to hear this stuff. We don't want to hear you. We don't want to hear what you have to say. Go somewhere else. I'm telling you, I sat down today, and I I had marked it as I read through the Kings and the Chronicles. I started marking down every time a man of God spoke that the people said, get him out of here. And there's a ton of times Asa, a good king, said, put Hanani in prison because he said something I didn't like. Ahab hated the prophet Micaiah. He said, because he never says anything good. He never prophesies good to me. And so they said, well, go get him. He comes in, and when he comes in, they say, you better be careful what you say, because the other prophets, who were liars, by the way, they've already said good stuff. You better be careful. So he says, okay. So he says, what do you mean to say? They say, well, prophesize. All right, everything's going to be great. And they said, how many times have we told you to just say the truth? Okay, it's not going to be great. It's going to be bad. See, I hate that guy. He always tells me bad things. That's exactly what happens. You know what they say? Go put him in prison and fit him in the bed of affliction until I come back. He said, if you come back at all, God had not spoken about me. When Ahab met up with Elijah, he said, you're the guy that troubles Israel. No, you're the guy that troubles Israel. Joash, I just preached on it the other day, the young young king that grew up under Jehoiada, when Jehoiada's son, Zechariah, prophesied, he said, kill him. You know, that's what happens to, to, to people sometimes when they do good, especially to people that just don't want to hear the truth. And so he told him, he said, go someplace where somebody wants to hear you instead of here. And then verse number 13. He says, but prophesy not again anymore at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel and it is the king's court. Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, watch what he says. I was not a, I was no prophet. Neither was I a prophet's son. I was a herdsman and gathered the sycamore fruit and the Lord took me. As I followed the flock and the Lord said to me, go prophesy unto my people, Israel. He was saying, he said, I didn't ask for this job. I was doing what I was. I was doing the thing that I've been doing my whole life. Probably daddy did it. Daddy's daddy did it. We're just doing this. I wasn't a prophet. I wasn't the son of a prophet. And it probably had to do with the fact that there wasn't a lot of men that were supposed to be standing up, standing up. So he had to call somebody that's never done it before to go do it. And he, he says, I didn't even ask for this job. I'm just trying to tell you what God said. And it's just sad to me that they won't listen. Galatians 4.16 says this, Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? I just wrote down four questions before I walked out the door this afternoon. And this, one, this one is, here they are. Has God been sending warnings to you? Are you just going through the motions and thinking all is okay? Will God have to raise up chastisement for you? How do you feel about the people that give you warnings? Are you mad at them? Good. Who said that. How many mornings, how many warnings will it take before you end up in captivity to something? That's what I when I read Amos there is a historical context of what took place with them, they went into captivity. There's a prophetic co- uh, a context of a future issue that's going to go on with Israel. But j- then just the I mean just trying to take some kind of some kind of application from ourselves, I think we can see that there's a lot of us that sometimes go through the same motions that they were going through and not liking it when somebody says, hey, stop what you're doing. You've heard it a million times. People have gotten up and preached on exactly, maybe not the exact words, but the Holy Spirit has taken what's been said and said to you, you need to fix this and you just won't fix it. And there's coming a day When God's going to have to do some different... he's, He's tried to send preachers. He's tried to send issues. He's tried to send things in your life to wake you up and show... Watch now, to show you how much He loves you and to show you how much He wants you to be on the right track. And watch now, how much He wants to walk together in agreement with you and take you places. But you're walking the wrong direction and He's trying to wake you up. He's trying to do whatever He can to get you on the right track. And you're saying, no, in fact... Not only are you saying no, but you despise the people that are trying to tell you to get on the right track. That's a problem. That's a problem for me. That's a problem for us. So let's try to heed the warning. Maybe for them, this was the last shot. Maybe tonight, this is the last shot at getting on the right track with some things. Let's stand. I tell you, the beautiful thing about this that section of scripture—if you were to finish reading it and read chapter nine—you know what you find? God never gives up. He said, "I got a place for you." There's a remnant going to stick this thing out? I got a place for you in the future. I'm going to do something for you. I'll restore you. I'll replant you. I'll do. And and that's the good part of God. If people would just seek Him, if people would just turn to Him, God can take something that is really a mess and turn it into something wonderful and i would say to you tonight let's let's maybe fall on our faces before him and seek him once again lord we love you and we thank you tonight for your mercy and your grace your goodness your love for us your long suffering your forbearance and goodness that leads us to repentance and i pray you'd help us tonight lord just work in the hearts i pray that maybe maybe this was the message you wanted me to to try to deliver the thought from your word you want me to try to deliver and i pray you'd help us tonight to get a hold of it and apply it to all of our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. She's going to play. Why don't you come pray tonight?